Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans. Welcome to episode number 51 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. My name is the twisted genius, Dean Ayers. I will be your host for this evening, joined as ever by my esteemed co-host, Liam Hap. Good evening, Liam. How are you doing? Esteemed or steamed like broccoli? You have to be clear on these things. Well, you know, we've been, we've been doing this for a couple of years now, so you're no longer green. Ah, see what you did there. Very good, very yeah. good. Um, as for myself, I could be better. February, quite frankly, has been the month of non-stop, relentless illness. And oh after, dear. Yeah, after having a crippling sore throat a week and a half ago, I have had a fever last couple of days, and it feels like only in the last six hours have I started to get rid of the hot and cold flushes and the urge to fall asleep every three hours. So I'm getting there, and to and to add to it, I managed to pour muscle in my neck swimming. You know, swimming is trying trying to get to a state where I'm ill less. And I've somehow dangerous ma- activity. Yeah, dangerous. So. Yeah. And I've somehow managed to bruise behind my left thumbnail, which I can confirm <laughs> is it, it's more excruciatingly painful than you think it would be. And when you're left-handed, it also takes you out of commission a lot of things. I'm having to use a pair of scissors to open like packets of crisps and things at the moment. It's ridiculous. Oh man, yeah. that's that's no fun. I am um, I I have got a, a slight physical injury because um I was uh, I was making a curry tonight, a duck curry, and it was I must say it was bloody magnificent. Uh, and I've got a a new handheld grater for like you know zesting lemons and grating ginger and stuff, and uh, it's very sharp. And my my curry was not suitable for vegetarians, mainly because it contained duck, but also because it did contain a small piece of my thumb. So, uh, yeah, physical injuries all round. Small piece of your thumb. You. I mean, just a little little shred. You know, nothing too bad. Yeah, you're making it sound like. Do you remember that big? scaremongering tabloid article about 20 years ago where someone found uh, a severed thumb in their Chinese order or something. No. That's the way you make it sound. But I am impressed that you've suffered an injury that wasn't a concussion, even though getting concussed while making a curry would be some accomplishment. Yes, I am. Um, I I did uh, yesterday tell tell uh, a story to my other half, and then she told me midway through that I had already told her the story before, um, you know, a few years ago. And and I just looked at her and said five concussions, and she nodded and smiled understandingly. Bless her. Fair play. Although I've got to say I've been guilty of that myself, and I have zero concussions. So what does that say about me? Yeah. Now I'm talking about um. Uh, tabloid sensationalism you said you had a fever can I just check are you sure you haven't got coronavirus Um, I'm drinking a corona if that helps is that the same thing oh there you go 
Yeah, you're halfway there. Yeah, yes. gotcha. So that's where it comes so, from. So, um, there you go. Yeah, just uh, if you start um, if you start vomiting limes, then uh, then you know you you got it. Then I know it's Tuesday. Definitely. Um, so if you are going to be watching this episode of Nitro along with us, then it is uh, Nitro episode number 20, which is dated January the 15th, 1996. Um, and this one comes in at 52 minutes, 18 seconds. So we, we, we keep creeping over the uh, the hour mark, and uh, but we're still we're several months away from it going to two. Pardon me, going to two hours. Um, but uh, yeah, we are all set up on zero, 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 zero. So we will get ready very shortly to press play. Um, but if you uh, want to not just watch along with Nitro, but want to watch along with WrestleMania this year, then our friends on Hooked on Wrestling are running a series of parties all around the country. Um, if you're interested in uh, attending one of these, and trust me, e- these are fantastic. It's not just watching the show. There's fancy dress parties. There's uh, wrestling-related music. Quite often we have wrestling-related cocktails and drinks menu and a quiz and loads of stuff. And, of course, you then get to watch the biggest wrestling show of the year with a load of other wrestling fans. Um, you may have seen the footage of a bar in Glasgow going absolutely nuts when Drew McIntyre won the Royal Rumble. That was a Hooked on Wrestling party. So um, if you're interested in this, go to hookedontickets.co.uk. Uh, they're all run by our friends at Hooked on Wrestling. They've been doing these for a good number of years now. They are running at the following venues. Milton Keynes at the Midsummer Tap, Dundee at the Braze, Aberdeen at Triple Kirks, Glasgow Walkabout, Liverpool at the Hope and Anchor, uh, Newcastle at Aspers Casino, Brighton at the Walkabout, Hull at the Howarth, uh, Manchester at the Walkabout Printworks, Leeds at the Walkabout, London Shoreditch. Uh, they haven't listed the name of the venue there. Where is the, that one? That's the Sports Bar, Bar and Grill, Grill isn't it? Street. Yes. Um, Cardiff at the Levens Bar and Grill, Edinburgh at McSorley's, London Bridge at Belushi's, or um, is it the dugout? No, it'd be Belushi's, it wouldn't is, it? The, it the is one. the dugout. That'll be the VIP it is the dugout. London. That is indeed the VIP viewing party. So, yes, um, so hookedontickets.co.uk for all the information you need on that. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one, and you're listening to Because WCW. Now, choke on that. Liam, are you ready for me to press play and for us to watch along episode number 20 of WCW Nitro? I am ready for some burning buildings, Dino. Well, in that case, we'll press play in three, two, one, go. It's time for some burning buildings. And my subtitles also tell me music. (laughs) I'm glad they cleared that up. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I wish they'd also clear up exactly what music it was, i.e. they've ripped it off of the intro to our podcast. Bastards. It's <laughs> a nice skyline to greet us. But then we are yes. in Miami, so Miami, yeah. Dance music capital of the world. Is it? Is it really well, just big, because uh, Will Smith said so? 
<laughs> There's a big dance music convention that happens there every year. I, I know mean, that much. So is there in Berlin, to be fair. Berlin is the dance music capital of the world. If you're wondering where the and... inspiration for Alex Wright's entrance music came from. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what's what's Mongo dressed his uh, poor long-suffering dog up in this time? Looks Can't like quite a tell casino croupier. I'm not sure. He's got a little cap on no. Yeah, I do feel sorry for that dog. He just wants to be left alone. I feel so Run around the park. People jumped on Cody Rhodes' case when he brought uh, Pharaoh to the ring for that pay-per-view match. But look at the weeks upon weeks of abuse that Mongo inflicted upon this poor little critter. Not just that, but, you know, we only have to listen to Mongo for one hour a week. That poor dog has to listen to him all the time. Oh, Jesus. So it's Flair defending the title against Sting tonight, which is a big main event, but it's not the main event. (laughs) No. And we also have um, Savage and Luger. Which has been a long simmering feud throughout the run of Nitro so far. And it sounds like we're getting that one right now because I hear one of my favourite entrance themes, Slammer. Ah, uh, Lex Luger's Slammer. Yes. Mongo seems confident that uh, Hogan's going to pick apart the Dungeon of Doom tonight, even though he's been doing that for six months and they still remain like a turd that won't go down the drain. I was going to say, there's not much intrigue in that, though, is there? Hogan v. Meng. But here comes Luger. Yeah, they've been doing that dance for so long now, Hogan and the Dungeon of Doom. Luger looking ripped to shit as usual. Yes, as Jimmy Hart pointed out a few weeks ago, not actual weeks, but a few nitros ago when he... Body shamed Craig Pittman compared to Lex Luger. Ah, <laughs> uh, I, I love uh, I love looking at 1996 Nitro with 2020 eyes and 2020 morality. Yes, I love looking at all the uh, mandated Hogan merchandise in the front rows with people who've <laughs> never been caught buying this stuff, just so happen to be wearing Hogan stuff. Okay, talking of T-shirts, did you just notice there's a bloke in the front row there with a T-shirt that had the Ford logo, but it said fucked? And the camera camera was straight on him and did not pick up that his T-shirt did not say Ford, or maybe it did. That's why there's stuff on it. We have to get a screen cap of that one. Speaking Speaking of clothing apparel that shocks... Check out the jacket <laughs> on Savage this week. That is Technicolor Vomit, isn't it? Yes, it is. You know, if if he had a glitter chaser as well. So, yeah, th- this has been quite the established feud in the Nitro era so far. But it hasn't really been top of the... I, th- I think they did a title match while Savage was champion on Nitro, didn't they? Which was mm-hmm. quite the long epic match, if I remember, for a TV main event. But since then, that's kind of it. The feud's run its course. But we're coming yeah. back to this. And do you know what? I've got a funny feeling, given what's been listed for this show so far, 
I've got a funny feeling that's going to be a recurring theme. I, I think the rotation's going to get worn out a bit. So uh, Luger's got a chair. He's thrown it in the ring. Savage has caught it. The referee, Randy Anderson, takes the chair away. And Luger just decks Savage. Sure and the crowd cheers. It's actually quite a good cheating on Luger's part. Normally you can't be bothered to do stuff like that. Yeah, and Savage is already in trouble. And, well, surely surely Savage v. Luger is not going to follow the Randy Savage Nitro formula. <laughs> but it is so far. It is so far. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Look at all those kids with their Hogan merchandise that some aren't actually wearing. They're just, they've clearly been, as you say, clearly been given it. Yeah, some are still holding on to it. Like yeah. it's been thrusted into their hand. Put this on. I don't want to. <laughs> okay, so Luger is not allowing Savage to get back in the ring, having jumped him and thrown him out. Come on, Savage, walk around to the bloke in the fucked T-shirt. Wow. <laughs> he's on He's on the right-hand side of the um, hard cam. He's where Luger was standing right at the beginning. Luger just slipped flat on his ass. I've, I've also seen about three or four Hogan foam fingers that have been placed down at, at people's feet, which is not what you do when you've just proudly bought a piece of merchandise in a position where the camera's <laughs> going to be on you a lot. You don't plonk it down by your feet. You are waving that thing, trying to get the camera on you. Yes, right. Savage has made a bit of a comeback. He's smashed Luger's head into the barrier. He's now done a top rope axe handle for the two count, and uh, Luger is on. Uh, Savage is on the offense. That, if that had been a three count, that would have been the ultimate Savage formula. And I don't oh, think God, Luger yeah. would have been particularly insulted by going down like that. He probably just would have looked at it like, you know, a nice, quick, easy payday. Off to the bar. Well, here we go. A few forearms. I mean, this isn't a scientific classic, but we knew it wouldn't be, and we weren't expecting it to be. No, and in the first match on the on the televised card, you know, two big names going at each other isn't going to struggle to hold the crowd's attention. No, and they are the crowd are hot for this. Luger's begging off. I love that he's got his cheat game on tonight. He isn't just like doing a bunch of moves and sucking wind. He's he's having some fun out there. These two are very compatible, in fairness. Mm. Very comfortable working together. Well, it's that old thing of like opposite characters, and you know, Luger is very serious and just black trunks and and all about the the body, whereas Savage is bright colours and flamboyant. And, you know, the, the the characters that are very much opposite of one another mm. work well together. Yeah, it was, a, it was a very natural fit for them to feud. As soon as Luger's early buzz from returning to WCW died off, I think being a heel was the, was the obvious call. And, yeah, you're right, Savage was the perfect place to start for him. Sneaky right hand over the shoulder of the referee. Yes, he's, he's gone full Guerrero here. And when you got the camera right on you like that, they've got to be so careful not to talk to each other and not to have yeah. a mile between between them. Unless, of course, you're Sid, in which case you call spots Rick Steiner right in front of the camera. Or John Cena. 
he never yeah. gave a monkey's toss what, what was being picked up. The fucked uh, t-shirt man just stood up then. So he's going to be my obsession for this whole show. I want him to be close up on camera yeah. again. All these big main event matches littered throughout the hour and we're focused on foam fingers on the floor and fucked written on a t-shirt. Brilliant. It's what people it's what people download us for, Liam. Oh, Savage has got Luger down for the big elbow. Oh, he got some air on that, but That's, he misses. Yeah. Now, you don't see Savage miss the big elbow very often. Well, here's a question. Does Did Savage only ever feel comfortable getting that sort of hang time when he knew he wasn't hitting his opponent? But here's the tall track. Luger, uh, Savage's arm's gone down twice, three times. It's done. It's over. Oh, wow. Luger wins clean with the torture act. Savage does a clean job, but he's not letting go. And now he is. And Heenan was talking in the commentary before and, and the preview beforehand about how Savage is broken down and he's a wounded warrior with the exact words he used. And they're now that into the, the post-match summary as such. Yeah. I mean, commentary really put over that that was a shock result. They're both stars, but to, to see yeah. him go down like that wasn't expected. Uh, and I and really also enjoyed that match. And how, just... how, so, yeah, they also mentioned how high that, that elbow was, as we said. So it's definitely notable. But that was a good TV match. Yeah. I, as you, like they've, they've had some matches that are definitely more... I suppose a couple of their matches would have got higher on the star ratings. They were never four-star, five-star guys. But um, for, a t- for a TV match, they, they just didn't take a break. They went at it. The finish was surprising. That was... That was pretty damn good. Um, one thing yeah. I'll say is... About, I mean, it's a... Sorry, go for it. I was just going to say, apparently Savage is due uh, a return match for the title. So that was very surprising that they went that way. Mm. I'm, uh, I'm, I was just looking at what the uh, what the, the match on, night, on, on Raw was in case, yeah, they put a strong match just to, to combat Raw. And they did have um, Owen Hart v. Marty Jannetty, which is a pretty good match as the, the opener on Raw. So I'm, I'm guessing, you know, put a strong match on with two established heavyweight headliners. And and this is a particularly top-heavy Nitro as well. You know, there are big guns, big names in three out of the four matches on this show. Normally, we've seen a lot more variety in the match selection per hour Ooh. so far on Nitro. So interesting. But speaking of interesting, we now have um, four horsemen and a Dungeon of Doom in the ring together. It looks like some kind of summit between them. One man gang, of course, is the US champion, which is very bizarre in hindsight. And Mean Gene is now trying to... Uh... Yeah, the, the things they did with that US title were strange, to say the least, for a lot of time. <laughs> oh, is, what, what, is, uh, what is Pillman wearing? He's been told to dress properly. What, what's he, I can't see what he's got on. I, I love that. Arn is the guy Mean Gene goes to, as, the, as, as he calls him, the voice of reason. But before he gets to the point, he immediately dresses, pardon the pun, dresses Pillman down for... 
basically dressing like Hogan and Savage's hobo friends from a couple of months back. Yeah, he's got a head multicolored headband on and doing the four horsemen sign to anyone who will look at him. Yeah, he's he's going against the grain in everywhere, which has been the story for the last couple of weeks. You could see where yeah. this was going. We'll we'll save the, the meat and juice of it for when we get there. But it would have been nice to have seen it the way it was supposed to go, I suppose, but so he, Anderson's saying there's no winners or losers if the Dungeon of Doom and the Horsemen do battle, only survivors. So now we go to Kevin Sullivan. So is, is Anderson trying to make peace here? Yeah, in his words, there's no business sense to these two factions going at each other. This is kind of uh, have you, I may have referenced this already. Have you seen the British film Love, Honour and Obey? Of course not. That's oh, a shame. It's a good film. Check it out. Uh, okay. the, the, the five of you listening that may have watched that film, uh, it reminds me of that where you had two two rival gangs working together and not treading each other's toes. And there was a character played by Johnny Lee Miller who's in the Pillman role who just wanted to start fights and start wars. And that's kind of where we're going. This is five years before Love on the Bay came out. But yeah, Arn is the diplomat. Kevin Sullivan seems to be doing his dealings with Arn, but he's also paid tribute to Flair as being the greatest of all time. And they've also just said about that they can borrow the giant, I think. Mm. Oh, now we've got Sullivan getting in the face of Pillman saying he's not horseman material. And in another great touch for the dynamic, Arn Anderson, after after berating Pillman with his first words of the promo, he's now uh, telling... Oh! <laughs> and he's just smacked Pillman in the face for getting a bit... Overexcited. I told you to get your mouth, keep your mouth shut. As I was just gonna say, he actually defended Pillman when Sullivan uh, brought up his antics. No, no one can put Pillman in his place except for Arn. Is Arn's viewpoint? I love that. But I mean, what I love about Arn Anderson interviews is Arn Anderson interviews aren't wrestling in interviews. They're not like over-the-top, hyperbole, exaggerated, <laughs> unbelievable. They are credible speeches that you could you could you could hear a, a politician or a, a, a you know a football manager with that same tone and cadence, and it, yes. it wouldn't feel out of place. Well, and that's for me what made it so good. Yeah, and compare it to a lot of wrestling promos now, especially in the uh, homogenized tedious one way for all nature of WWE where how many promos you hear from a lot of their mid-card guys you think to yourself who speaks like that no human yeah. talks like that uh, and that's a big problem with the current product whereas as you said Arn sounds like not just a human but a human with a purpose and layers and that was fa- that little segment was great on the character development front it's one of the things you expect to have more because it's not really going to do anything for the live crowd. 
it got a bit of a pop when he smacked Brian right in the mush. Yeah. Otherwise, it's more of a slow burner. That's a lost leader, oh, that segment. Yeah. Okay, so now we have got the debut of Public Enemy, and in a complete because WCW moment, they have announced that this is a standby match. So they're not even basically these guys' debut is just a match that they had on standby as opposed to a feature, you know, feature part of the show. I can't believe I'm doing this, but in somewhat of their defence, as some people have pointed out to us. At this stage, until the NWO angle, really, they were still sharing uh, top billing on the TV schedule with the Saturday night broadcast. So fair enough. And one of the other reasons they're doing this is to put over the fact that, yes, there was actually supposed to be a tag team war between the Horsemen and the Dungeon of Doom. So throwing these guys out there further establishes that the Hills have gone, fuck that, sod this, you're not making us fight each other. It's sowing the seeds for that that whole alliance to end Hulkamania debacle, which, as we know, should have led to the satisfying conclusion of the loose cannon angle. Would have made so we have now... Uh... Sorry, go. I was you just going to say, it would have made Uncensored 96 a little bit more bearable. Not much, but a little bit. <laughs> so we have got the American males, Scotty Riggs and Marcus, or Buff Bagwell, um, with their also entrance music, against Flyboy Rocco Rock, Johnny Grunge, Public Enemy from South Philadelphia, as they've uh, just said in the commentary. <laughs> and they are... It, Exactly as they were, you know, names and attire and everything, exactly as they were in ECW, which is where they were signed from. On a side note, unlike with, I was going to say, unlike with uh, the likes of Benoit Malenko Guerrero, who went from ECW to WCW, Public Enemy were kind of like a, a homegrown ECW product. I, mean, I know obviously they wrestled elsewhere before, but the, the gimmick and the, the, they got over in ECW as ECW originals. So, you know, this was quite a big loss for ECW at the time. Yeah, it was. But it was also the, it was a much bigger endorsement of the talent-making ability of Paul Heyman. Whereas you yes. wouldn't envision guys like that being signed normally. Whereas the Guerreros and the Benoits would have got chances exactly, places yeah. on pure merit. But I just went to add, when you said about identical... Um, attire, you're referring to them wearing the same stuff they wore in ECW. But I, I love about this match is we've got two teams wearing identical attire to their partners. Yes. That's how tag yeah. teams should be, Dean. Exactly, yes. I was going to say also, of course, Sabu was uh, very briefly in um, WCW, having been a, made his name in ECW. Um, but... Interesting to see, you know, Sabu never fitted in with, with WCW. It was far too tame for him. Now, Public Enemy, they made their name in ECW through wild arena-wide brawls, whereas, you know, this match is entirely, so far at least, entirely taking place in the ring. But to their credit, I know they're not the greatest wrestlers ever, but even if you take away the wild brawling, there is, there, there is a chance saying this without the benefit of hindsight, there is a chance of them getting over just by doing their, you know, 
big fat white guys pretending to be homeboys act, which is, you know, you think of the likes of Two Cool and that they've gotten over in the past. And of mm. course, they they were guys at this time age where not everyone was doing it. Uh, they're big on using tables, and that was a big thing for yes. them. In fact, I believe that was a thing that really hindered them um, l- later in their WCW careers and with WWE was the making the tables their thing they couldn't do because everyone was using tables at that point. Yeah. Of course, this is not Rocco Rock's first match inside the WCW ring because uh, he was one of the alleged South African tag team at Starcade 90, the tag tournament. The Pat O'Connor tournament or something, wasn't it? Indeed, it was, yes. Well remembered, Liam. Which is a, a show we haven't covered yet and is one that I'd love to cover because I had that on VHS. Which, um, which should be the one number of, one From priority. one of the shops. <laughs> yeah, I think I got it for, as a... I'm sure I got it as a birthday present from my mum. Could have been worse. She could have bought you Great American Bash 91. Exactly. Who would do that to their child? Oh, we've we've completely screwed up that roll up, but they've kind of got the ref's attention distracted, and that was a really weak finish because they screwed up the roll up and it all went a bit pear shaped. Yeah. And now Bagwell's attacking Rocco Rock. The crowd don't the crowd don't seem to know who they are. It looks like people in Miami don't really follow ECW all that much. Well, they're now fighting outside the ring, so I suspect they will be getting to know them and what they're all about in a second. But that match yes. what was that like three minutes of just random kicking and punching. It was short, inoffensive, but not particularly good. Uh the public enemy seem to be the the heels in that. Oh, here come the tables. So it's yeah, literally much like the uh, the the rough as arsehole Sabu matches we've seen. Oh, I think he did a couple of Nitro matches. They're following that exact formula: Shit, shitty yep. but short match, and then a table spot. Literally a cut and paste. Oh, we're getting two tables out now. Ah, well, 95 was the year of double tables, and now they're bringing it to WCW 96. Those tables look quite solid, I have to say. (laughs) They look short and solid, and I'm slightly worried about how this is going to turn out. Where's Scotty Riggs gone? They're basically two of them are beating the shit out of Bagwell. They're going to put him on top of two tables. He's been selling a cheap shot for eight years. (laughs) Yes. Are we about to give Matthew a retrospective nudge? Possibly. For an I, I am the know. table. Let's have a look. They broke quite no, well. No, we're actually. not. They broke. They broke pretty easily. And they broke exactly on the saw marks. Can you see those saw marks? <laughs> I don't know what you mean, Liam. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I ruining? Am I killing the business? Well, that would have got them over a bit, especially as you said, this time, you know, early 96, tables aren't being used all the time. Two tables certainly aren't being used a lot. That was literally the function of the whole match. And to that, considering what the actual three and a half minute match was like, I would have uh, approved knocking it down to a minute and a half. It's one of those matches where the Russo formula would have worked. Give them 90 seconds. We just had... A macho man Slim Jim advert. And now we've got Flair Sting. I mean, this is like, they're just just playing all the classics, aren't they? 
Yeah. Luger Savage, Flair Sting, Hogan in the main event, probably winning with ease, and a Macho Man Slim Jim ad. So there have been a couple of times in the last few weeks where we have made a little flippant reference to a match and gone, I think we saw this match a couple of weeks prior, or we've corrected ourselves and gone, oh, we thought we saw Hogan and Savage against the Horseman, but we saw Sting and Savage against or a little, little uh, nudge, little change, little tweak like that. Now we are definitely veering into the territory. We know we've had Sting versus Flair a couple of times. Episode one. In the, yeah. yeah. Uh, we also had it on that, do you remember that <clears throat> fan vote? So this is the hat trick. Oh, yes. 21 episodes in, and this is the third version of that. Hogan Meng, I feel like we've done. Hogan v- squashing a random dungeon of doom art, we've definitely done. Uh, no, we've, we've had Luger Savage, Savage. Meng. Yes. We've, we've had, had Savage v Meng. I don't think we've had Hogan v Meng. I'd be shocked if we have. I'll check, but I feel like we've also had that. Here's Jimmy Hart with... Uh, that cross-pollination's continuing. But yeah, we've had Luger and Savage several times already. The the lack of depth is starting to show, isn't it? And they've got the talent on there. We've we've seen little things they've done like Sting and Malenko. We know they can yeah. do it. Well, I was going to say, we, we, the, the talent is there, but it's just the... Uh, the tears of talent, but you know, as we as we've said, the Bischoff mentality, the main eventers are the main eventers, and they will not, uh, they will not add anyone to that mix. Yeah, unlike Jimmy Hart's managerial contract, uh, there will be no cross pollination. Oh, oh look, we've got oh, is it the wedding of uh, sen- sensational Sherry and Colonel Robert Parker? Yeah, one week away, so that's going to be the same. Oh no, that's what that's on the Tuesday. I was going to say, is that going the to clash Tuesday. with the Nitro? That's, that's the Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. No, no, Nitro, then the Clash. Colonel Robert Parker, who of course has just been in the news recently, Liam. Yes, he is back in the game. Uh, MLW have announced that he's 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 coming in. Not only that, but in the press uh, release, did you notice they they mentioned that he has applied for and been granted his managerial um, license. His license. Yes, I did. What like an that. attention Lovely to detail. Touch. Well, that was always the gimmick, you know. The Twisted Genius has his manager's license. I'm sure one day we can do a storyline where he's refused refused the license when he goes to renew it. I'll but, just, yeah. I'll just love to hear you reference how you, you know, you take care of your clients, like logistical, getting their dinners and making sure they get bookings and stuff. Well, it, it sounds silly, but, like, that's another uh, background thing to it. That's a, yeah. that's a pitch I always had is I love to see a babyface hire a hill manager with the argument being he, he wants him to handle his career and those little things that get in the way. But he has given that hill manager a strict do not interfere or be a hill in my matches thing. And they honour it at first. I think that'd be a great storyline. And then you can see what, 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 yeah, you can see how it can develop uh, at, at the writer's discretion as it goes on. Hmm. That would be good. You're writing that down, that aren't you? Very interesting. I'm making a mental. I'm making a mental note for sure. Yes. It's always been one of my favourites in my head. So here we go. It's Sting and Flair. Sting's up in the corner doing the ten punches that I always bloody hate. But these two can can have a match in their sleep, basically. Oh yes. We say about the Savage formula, and there is a Sting Flair formula. 
and it involves 10 Gorilla Press Slams. Yes. And Flair's got the beg off, of course. There's the Flair flip. Clothesline on the apron. See, Flair takes a bump on the apron. No one talks about it. it's the hardest part of the ring, do they? It, was, it wasn't the fashion back then. Flair was ahead of his time. Yeah, and thankfully at this period, they didn't also do a bunch of dangerous-looking moves on the apron just because they could. Yeah. In the middle of the match for no reason. Oh, yes, so uh, the clash is from um, Caesar's Palace, which I think is where the Nitro comes from as well. They're there for two nights in a row. That makes sense. Didn't that, didn't that um, coincide with that Nat PNATPE convention or something, some TV? Oh, I think it was some big like TV industry convention or something. Bischoff taking the opportunity to schmooze. Heaven forbid. Yeah. But no, you're where they had... the book, aren't you? It was covered the, in the uh, book, I think. Yes, the, you know they had Savage and Hogan and people like that. You know the big names that that um that your your TV people would know. Yeah. Yeah. Good schmoozing opportunity. Indeed. At least it's not in Sturgis. <laughs> that's that's uh that's not see this the the TV convention that's business. The, uh, the the biker convention, that's a jolly. <laughs> Literally a jolly. That is the, the word that should be used to describe that. In fact, they shouldn't have called it Road Wild. They should have just called it Eric Bischoff's Jolly. Yeah, beers for the boys. Live on pay-per-view. Or, or Racist Revving, Volume 3. Ah... Uh, Bischoff's now naming celebrities who are allegedly WCW fans, including Sylvester Stallone, apparently, and George Foreman. Hank Aaron's not one of them. Or at least not a Bill Watts fan. (laughs) Beautiful superplex by Sting. They, They are doing the hits. The crowd's loving it. It's nothing we haven't seen before a million times. It's one of them things. If we're sitting down watching this in retrospect, it's good eye candy. It's it's good like wrestling to cheer out and watch lighthearted with your feet up and the coronavirus in a bottle. Um, but in the long run, you kind of know that it's it's gonna have it's gonna have a limited shelf life, and you've got to mix it up a bit. Which spoiler alert, WCW struggled with. Mm-hmm. So we've now got uh, an ad for Super Brawl. Super Brawl, was that number six? It'd be number six, wouldn't it? Yes. Yes. I miss Super Brawls in February. That's one thing the death of WCW took away from us. Some of those brilliant pay-per-views and just just expect it. You would expect the GAB in June and Fall Brawl and Starcade in the right months. Yeah. Just like the big WWE pay-per-views like Survivor Series, WrestleMania. So the tide has just turned in this match. Sting went for a uh, crossbody of some sort and landed, missed flair and landed neck first on the ropes. Love oh, it. Flair now goes for the cover with his feet on the ropes. And yeah. he's still got his feet on the ropes. No fucks given. Running this just, just for a near fall in the middle of the match as well. 
I mean, most matches, if you see a heel put their feet on the ropes this day and age, you're only going to see it for a finish. But why not put your... If you're a bad guy, why not pull the trunks, put the feet on the ropes, intimidate the referee into counting faster every time? Yeah. So Flair's thrown Sting out the ring. Here comes Jimmy Hart with a boot to the ribs. <laughs> I love the trash talk afterwards. What did he say? I didn't catch that. I, do you know what? I couldn't even tell you exactly what he said, but he just he, he crouched his knees and did big elaborate pointing and he looked hilarious. That could be the screen <laughs> cap for the for the episode, unless I can get a good shot of fucked. Oh, you'll get a good shot of fucked. Not like that. No, not like that. Oh, power kick out. I don't know how long this match has gone, but it's kind of now feeling like it should be coming to an end Yeah, for a yeah. TV match. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, in the TV formula, definitely, you don't really want to see their full-blown, especially because we've seen it a lot. Not just on yeah. Nitro, but Sting Flair since 1990. Or, you know, they had their first couple of matches before that. They 88, had, yeah. One in 88, at least one in 89. That would have been the Iron Man Challenge. We've yeah. just been getting it annually now. I said annually, Dean, before you jump in. Sleeper. So earlier on, we saw uh, Sting whips into the corner, no sell it, and bounce straight back with a big clothesline. But now uh, they're now they're both down, both selling. This is where in 2020 or 2019, 18 sort of time, you'd uh, you'd do the double down and you'd be thinking, is this where we get out? This is awesome, Charm. <laughs> Fight forever. Forever. <laughs> I mean, they, obviously Sting and Flair did not need that chant. No. <laughs> they, they took the initiative on that one. They did fight forever. Yeah. Here's the Sting comeback. Flair's going to flop in a minute. He did. Beggar has the flop. Camera Where's the begging it. off? Camera missed it. Yeah, well done. Sting now. misses the drop. We get a small Oh, package. figure four in the middle of the ring, but Sting has got him in a small package. Kicks out. I thought that was over, but nope. Flair went for the figure four. Sting counts it with a small package. Just the two count, and the match continues. And here's the thing, even if their their routine does wear a bit thin at this stage, you can't fault it. It's just so easy to watch. It's so effective in sucking you in as a wrestling fan. They're, they're incapable of having a shit match, but they can definitely make you sick and tired of eating. You know, if you eat filet mignon every night, you're not going to want to eat steak anymore. Yeah. But look, the crowd are reacting. Oh, they're reacting because Flair's had his trunks pulled down. But they're reacting. Is it on me or is it on them that, that Bischoff just referenced the world title being on the line and that actually reminded me of the fact that this is indeed a world title match? It's just a title match. Yeah. It was... It wasn't we, mentioned. We I swear also, it was We have also referenced that it's a title match on this episode. But it just hasn't stuck with me. There is. It hasn't, you know, they, these things normally just leap off the page at you. And you, it, you don't forget it doesn't them. have. 
Yeah, it doesn't have the feel of a world title match. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just its position on the show. You know, it's not the main event. The, t- the title's been a bit here, there, and everywhere in recent months. Uh, yeah. Yeah, playing second fiddle, chief support to Hogan Trouts in the stooge part forever. Doesn't help. Here's Sting, no selling all the chops. Flair looking as shocked as he did in 88. <laughs> Flair now posing while Sting no sells. We've seen this before. We'll see it again. Hart Jimmy Hart's up on the apron. The megaphone. Oh, I know what this is going to lead to. Here he comes. Here's Lex Luger. He's telling off his manager. He's saying, don't do that to Sting. And he's accidentally caught Sting himself. Oh, that was so fucking hokey. That was badly timed. Mm. But the crowd are into it. Luger's playing dumb on the on the apron and the crowd are booing him. But the figure he's four is getting friend. in. I don't think he's going to answer this. He's, yeah, he's out. Here's the free count. Yeah. Free. He's holding the ropes anyway. <laughs> I was going to say, Flair's still holding the ropes anyway, yeah. Just for the fuck Now, that would have worked just for that. Just shits and giggles. That would have worked better if Luger was the other side of Jimmy Hart and then tried to grab it off him and, and it, the momentum <laughs> took him back. Oh, here comes Hogan and here comes Savage. Another character detail. Luger was physically yanking Flair off of the figure four to presumably save Sting from further damage and look set to fight him but then Hogan and Savage came down and chased them both off so the depth for characters good but we could do with the the wheels moving on these storylines a bit more and to take us away from these same matches they're dragging the same story out a bit here yes Luger was pulling him off you say not like that oh okay so Sting has been knocked silly now, Hogan's out here, but he's given given pre- WCW's previous form, Hogan's going to go and then come back again for a, main, a proper entrance that yes. people won't react as well to, won't they? Yeah. They do do that, don't they? Why did Hogan always cut those three little slits in the back of his shirt? Uh, I suppose they're a bit high for me to say that's where the needle goes, aren't they? Yeah. They're trying to talk things straight now. That Lex Luger <laughs> is bad news. As uh, as Hogan pushes him into position for the hard cam. I love it. As Savage is right in the fucking way. I was going to say, it should be Savage is pushing. Savage is actually dragging Sting around in circles. I'm on Team Savage on this. I like naturalistic theatre. Wake up, he tells Sting. Oh, just stare at his outfit and I'll snap you out of it, Stinger. Yeah. Oh, Sting doesn't have a clue what happened. Oh, Sting's just denying it. All the crowd are all looking at something in the aisle. Is someone coming down? Well, to be fair, Sting was in the zone. He was hitting a Stinger splash on Flair. The crowd are all looking at something. It could be a fight in the crowd, admittedly, but... He's going to confront Luger personally. Yes. 
Okay, so as you said, the the actual spot was a bit hokey, but the the storyline developed. Yeah, you know the whole the how it should have come across was, you know, Sting was having the match. He was getting ready to hit the Stinger Splash, and at that exact moment, he snatched the megaphone away from Hart, and it's got him on the head, and obviously it's knocked him loopy from that moment on. So you you can buy into the whole he doesn't have a clue what's going on. But yeah, the, the, this storyline has been going in slow motion and you want to see a bit more development going on. Now, Hogan says he's got a problem with uh, with Savage. This is the fourth time that Luger's beaten Savage. He ah, So Hogan says he should be getting the title shot next week, not Savage, because Savage lost to Luger, which is exactly what you were talking about. Because they've been playing up the fact that Sting, Savage and Hogan all have shouts at, at Flair, who's Ooh. currently holding the belt. Uh, Sting's just had his swing and a miss. Uh, Savage is up next, but he lost that match, which did seem weird at the time, but at least he's being brought into a bit of relevance by this confrontation. And Savage is pointing out he deserves a shot, and he's due a shot because, you know, he's due a rematch. And hey, look at this. Wins and losses being brought into uh, an angle and meaning something. Hogan says he's on a roll. He's got momentum. He's He's gone from confronting Savage to talking like back in league with him. And yet you notice his tone and the way he was talking didn't change once. Because he only has one way of cutting a promo. And they're tagging up at the clash. He he closed that out by saying, you're my friend to Randy Savage. And he said it in a way where someone said that to me in an alley. I'd think I was getting murdered. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it looks like we've got Hogan and Savage v. Flair and the Giant for the clash. Hmm. And now it's Hogan Ming in our, in our <clears throat> alleged main event. And, yes, it yep. does look like Hogan is leaving the area. Oh, what's on WCW Saturday night this week? It's Poochie. Oh, more importantly. Oh, Harlem Heat v. Sting and Luger. Are Harlem Heat the tag champions at this point? Quite possibly. I'm not sure. And an interview with Jim Belushi. The, The clear main event. Yes. So, what's the over-under on match length for this one? Well, we've only got about eight minutes of the broadcast left, including entrances. So, it's not going to be a 30-minute classic. It does feel like they've got all the storyline stuff out of the way, so it's not like they're going to stick another promo on afterwards. You'll notice I didn't offer you any odds on the actual result. That would be pointless. Yeah. Uh, Meng's wearing that weird hood with. Um. Oh, why are they? <laughs> why is he? Why is he just booting? He's just booted a random, a random photographer. Photographer or something. Then they threatened another photographer. They've I'm not quite sure Furman. what happened. Oh, hang on! Someone else is getting beaten up now. 
This is brilliant. They are they are Ulf Herman slash Minoru Suzuki-ing the uh, ringside crew members. For no reason. If only Sullivan was also dressed as a granny or a Baywatch extra, he would be back in our good graces. I forgot about her, Sullivan dressed as a granny. And here's Hogan to... <laughs> Hogan to avenge his moustache trimming. Yeah, Hogan looks pissed. I'm not sure if that's because he wants to kick both their asses or because he's seen all of his merchandise stuck on the floor, but he's not happy. Yeah. Oh, we've got one foam finger being waved there. Oh, there's well, a couple. There's a few foam fingers. In yeah, there. I mean, well, if foam, not fingers, they're foam. They're foam Hogan's. If I, he's if I, uh, he's doing Usain Bolt pose before Usain Bolt did it. What a thief that Usain Bolt is. Um, if I saw Hogan look that upset, I'd pick mine up and do it out of guilt as well. And Meng has started off on the front foot, and now Sullivan's attacking Hogan. You know, I've got no interest in this match as a general rule, but I do really appreciate that Meng and Sullivan have come out beating up guys at uh, ringside, and uh, it's taken Sullivan all the 30 seconds to interfere. I kind of like just that that absolute shameless, just get straight to it. <laughs> Hell, why wait for the bell to ring? Just attack him in the, yes. in the intro. Pull out a gun. It's the only way you're going to beat him. Even then he'd hulk up. And the crowd are cheering for Hogan as he's selling for Meng. I mean, let's face it, you would sell for Meng. Yeah, um, Bischoff just told us to listen to the crowd. Surely, he'd as the boss, he would rather we listen to the the pocket of dissenters who are going against the silence and chanting Hogan instead. <laughs> That's where he should be diverting our attention. Must be from Toronto. Um, yeah, and there you go. Sullivan can't wait to interfere, and again, straight in there. And not only that, but he did so with an Austin Powers-esque judo chop. He's also wearing the same red and yellow colours that Hogan is, which is yeah, a bit I old. I think Monty Burns packs more power than Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> in WCW, at least. Of course. Did you ever see him in Smoky Mountains sticking a spike in Kanemura's arm? I'm aware of it, yes. Oh, it's grim. Yeah. Didn't kill the business, though. No, no, it didn't. Because a certain tennis racket-wielding moron was directly profiting from it. So that was okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, Cornette hates deathmatch wrestling, doesn't he? To be fair, I'm, I, I strongly dislike overly graphic stuff like that. Anyway, I, I saw, I, I don't want to direct anyone to it, but there was a um, a clip doing the social media rounds where someone took a bump onto a knife 
Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. he was out for the rest of the tournament that they were doing or something. Yeah. Oh, I, so yeah, and I'm definitely against some of that stuff. It's just flat out uncomfortable. Oh yeah, you that. don't need you don't need stupid things like that. But I'm I mean I'm talking about you know a Jimmy Havoc death match that yeah. kind of thing. But we've we've picked up on the inconsistencies of Jim Cornette. We've picked up on his business model now. If he's not making money off of it, he will moan about it to make money off of it via his podcast. Yes. Right. Meng has just missed the top rope splash, and Hogan is now on the offense with punches and a, a rake to the eyes. It's all technical stuff here. Uh... Well, I've run out of, of subjects to change this onto. So I guess I'm just going to have to watch the rest of the match. No, but I do have I have another subject to change it on to. How much more interesting would this match be if it was a shoot? <laughs> Hogan versus Ming in a shoot. Now I would pay for that. So Ming just jabbed Hogan in the throat. Hogan's kicked out, and now he's hulking up because we've only got a couple of minutes left in the broadcast and. It's the old Hogan routine. And looking at the crowd and listening to the crowd, they're not really reacting, are they? They're looking at their watches every bit as much as the ref, the wrestlers, and the people in Gorilla are. Savage is cutting off Kevin Sullivan. Uh, of not course, like he can't... Well, even Savage can't do that effectively. And Hogan steps in, takes the spike off. So Hogan has to save Savage's save attempt. He then cheats to win... Fucking hell, that was a mess. He, yeah, hits men with the spike that that Sullivan brought in the ring. We've actually been able to find a lot of positives in the Hogan stuff that's been thrust upon us unnaturally over the last 20 episodes. Even if it is comedic stuff like him dressing as Zorro or befriending a hobo or having a midlife crisis, there's been some good stuff as well. And we've been we've made a point of bringing that up. But that was everything that was groan-inducing about Hogan in the mid-90s, wasn't it? And you can see that the crowds are tired of it. You know, mm. There's not a huge amount of reaction. Um, people have blatantly been given merchandise to make him appear more popular, but you just look at the crowd. Yeah. This is the thing that when you, when you're just watching, when you're watching the crowd and listening to the crowd and paying attention to that, you can see that there's not an awful lot of people who are bothered by it. And, let, and let's be honest, though the way Nitro set up, you can easily keep Hogan in a very higher part of the card, keep him splashed over shows. You want him, as you mentioned, the Las Vegas uh, conferences and that. You know, you you use the the powers of his his recognition and his name value. There's so much you can get out of him, and to keep yeah. him quite hard there without sticking him in all the main events and putting him over everyone else's. It's and, so and you easy know to do. Yeah, and you know what's really worrying here is that we've got Hogan and Savage in the ring posing, and every camera angle they've showed has shown the crowd leaving the arena in droves. They're not sticking around to see this, to see the pose down. They're not sticking around for that. They're just, they want to go home. So, so yeah, maybe their most top-heavy uh, I suppose the first Nitro, a couple of others are up there on the shortlist for the most top-heavy on name value 
episode so far, but it was actually inadvertently a advertisement for getting back to the variety. Yeah. I think having having the, the Guerreros and the Benoits on before the stars show up made it a lot easier to digest. I'd still call it a thumbs up. But it was um it yeah, it wasn't anything uh horrendous, but it, it, I think the yeah the match order was odd. I mean, you should surely have the main event as the the world title match, but obviously Hogan wanted to be front and center. But um, it was yeah, it was it was a so sorry episode for me. And and I think yeah, as you've said, Liam, we are getting to the point where we are seeing the same faces each and every week. When actually there is a really big and a very good talent pool that they can tap into, but they're not. Yeah, and the better episodes, we're saying this in retrospect, but also the better episodes going by crowd reaction. And sometimes even looking at some of the ratings in retrospect, the better ones are the ones that feature variety. Still have a couple of matches with the big guns in, but also have those certain other elements to really, uh, to, 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 just to offer some more excitement and a, and a bit of a, as you said, just a bit of a change. So yeah. yeah, it really exposes just what it is about WCW that that really gets stale fast. We know yeah, they're me, only a few well. months away from escaping that for a bit, but yeah. Meanwhile, over on on Raw, the competition it was a taped Raw. We had Owen Hart beating Marty Jannetty. The ringmaster Steve Austin beat a young jobber by the name of Matt Hardy. Um, the Smoking Guns had a tag title match against a masked team called the Spiders, which was actually the Headbangers before they came over as the Headbangers. And the main event was um, one of those you look you look back on now with a. a, a t- uh, a nostalgic tear in your eye because it was the undertaker against Isaac Yankum DDS and how their paths would cross in the future. So we should have all the stops pulled out on nitro next week for two reasons. One, they're at the TV convention in Las Vegas and number two, they're up against uh, a live um, raw, which you know, they always pull the stops out for that. And the main event for that is uh, the world champion Bret Hart against intercontinental champion Goldust. So what have we got? Uh, should we have a sneak preview what we have next well, week? They've already told us that it's Flair Savage, haven't they? Yes. So Flair Savage for the world title. We've got Sting and Luger taking on the tag champs in tag champs Harlem Heat, also for the, the tag titles. Um, we've got Dean Malenko and Brian Pillman, which should be good. And we've also got a main event of, hey, guess what? Hulk Hogan's in the main event against another member of the Dungeon of Doom, One Man Gang. Oh, God. Yeah. But, hey, it's uh, it's in Vegas. You've got to get the stars help. So, basically, we've got one, two, three, four, five of the people that were wrestling in on today's show. Um yeah, it's a bit the same old, isn't it? But hey. Yeah, well, since it's Vegas, you're saying about getting the stars out of Vegas. Can't we just find like a mid-level hotel to give Hogan like a residency in? And he can just show up during the day every day and do his poses and then Nitro just carries on going on tour elsewhere. That'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh dear. Right. So, so we're still giving this one a thumbs up, though, aren't we? Well, we 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 came up with that principle talking about pass foul, and there was a couple of times. I think this this would be the third episode out of twenty one where you'd be tempted to cop out and say middle. And we said to ourselves, if we had to observe pass foul strictly, and we couldn't cop out, couldn't sit on the fence, it's either a pass or a foul. This, this one, is a weak pass, then. Yeah, this one and pass. the other two are all weak passes. They're not. They're not marginal fouls. They're definitely weak passes. Yes. We've only had two episodes that I wouldn't recommend a rewatch. I would actually yes. tell people if you're going to do what we're doing and watch them in order, you can skip those. You won't miss anything. Only two, which is good. It's a good batting average. Two out of twenty, not bad at all. Mm. Not bad at all. Right. Well, that brings this episode of Because WCW to an end. We'll be back very soon. All going well with a pay-per-view review. Um, but please do give us a follow on Twitter at Because WCW or Facebook.com forward slash Because WCW. And we'll be really, really grateful if you could rate and review us and subscribe to us uh, wherever you get your podcast from. But thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for taking the time and trouble to download us. We appreciate each and every one of you who do that. So on behalf of my esteemed co-host, Liam Hatch, this is the Twisted Genius. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Twisted Genius Dean saying thanks for listening. I'll see you ringside.